America. My name is Amy Osef Frimpong. I come to you live every Thursday about this time, usually a little bit earlier, but I just did a show um, on Ike and Tina Turner that I'm going to run next Thursday. So it's, it's fire, but I pressed the wrong button, so I recorded it. I'm just going to save it, put it in the bank. Next Thursday, it'll come out. Today, we're going to talk about who controls the black voice. Um, and... You know, in order to talk to large amounts of black people, you need some white person to say okay, right? I can say what I can say here on YouTube as long as uh, it doesn't make the YouTube censors nervous, right? I can talk to some black people, a few thousand, um, without being shared by other white people. But for the most part, in order to talk to large numbers of black people, like thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of black people. I need some white person to, to have a say so. So the question is, who controls the black voice? And when Kanye says that we don't control the black voice, Kanye is one of the loudest Negroes in the um, world. And if he's saying that he's been, like, he has been muzzled and that he can't have the reach that he wants um, or that like, other black people uh, have been, you know, censored for the sake of white comfort and black people don't control the black voice. That, that, there's no reason for him to lie. And I suspect he's true because I've seen whole black people, whole black people, black men and black women say what they want white capital to hear because that's the, 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 the message that gets paid. You know, I've almost stopped going to Martin Luther King Jr. events because... I've, I just went to a series of them where the only thing you hear are, you know, white talking points. <laughs> um, all, the only thing you hear is like stuff that makes white people moderately comfortable. And I just don't need to hear that. I just don't, I don't, I don't need to hear whatever church deacon or whatever, whoever is speaking, like go up there, speak to a whole room full of black people except for like five or six white people and tailor those comments to the five or six white people who are in the audience because those are the people that pay right um, or they don't want word to get back that they are um uh one of the angry negroes and me as one of the angry negroes i i i, I i'm offended by that so we don't have the autonomous conditions to actually talk to large numbers of black people in a way that is comfortable, like taking out the whites who are the problem. And the whites are the problem, right? And, and that's unfortunate. We don't control the means of communication, the distribution, because all we live in a, you know, in a capitalist democracy, a constitutional republic. So you have to own stuff and have that stuff protected. You need um you need to own the 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 distribution of the message and you know the best way for me to distribute this message is for you to share it but your networks are only going to be so big because you need to be put on a lot of you for example are watching this because you've seen me on you know crystal ball show uh, when she was at rising or you've seen me on the hill but in order for me to go on there, I need a white person to say, like, well, is he safe enough? Is he okay enough? I needed Crystal to, like, vouch for me to put me on, 
right? And then when Crystal left, I don't get it. You don't see me, you don't see me on the Hill very much right now, right? Um, or I need some black person who's not worried about getting in trouble for having me come on, right? And so that's a lot of, that's a lot of uh, gatekeeping for white comfort that goes on to, for, for me to actually be able to talk to people about this message that like, we don't own our own voice. We are gatekept either by whites or who want us to all just kind of be like casual liberal Democrats or by black people who are scared for their own check and are scared of, of alienating white money because white money is a lot of money. <laughs> if you don't know this, money's white and white money is a lot of money. So um, we don't own the black voice. And so we like our black people mute. For example, there's even this picture going on on Facebook of this, you know, young black lady. Uh, she, you know, looks seven or eight, eight years old, sitting at a graduation. She's sitting poised and, um, you know, attentive at her graduation talk. But people are talking about her like she's like the next president. And maybe she is, but she also hasn't said a word. <laughs> like she's getting praised while being mute. And people talk about how Muhammad Ali was much more popular once he was rendered mute. Same with, and MLK Jr. was much more popular once he was killed than when they're actually talking. Like we don't control what comes out of our mouths. We don't, or what is constant, what constitutes the black voice, right? And that is a problem. That is a problem. So black autonomy, the conditions of black autonomy are not set by black people. They're set by white capital. And then the black people, white capital picks because there are the black people who are appropriately edgy without making too many white people nervous. And especially don't make white women nervous. You can make some white men nervous, but you can't make white women nervous because that's, that's a problem. So I, I appreciate I appreciate like the people who share and distribute mouthy black men. So go ahead and be a person I appreciate. And you know, you can go to my website and give five, 15 or $50, but go ahead and share my videos that I feel like that does more than even the money. Although I, you know, the money pays for things. I have a producer now, um, who's putting together some clips. So you should see some clips and I got a TikTok account now. So go over and find me on TikTok. Um, and just think about the conditions of autonomy and who really controls black voice and black thought. For example, you know, some woman was telling me today that Oprah actually popularized the liberal divorces in the eighties and with the, you know, take care of yourself and look for yourself. And, and that was because, and black people didn't put Oprah on white people put Oprah on white people made Oprah rich, white people made Oprah the black voice and black people, since we didn't have any other say in, in independence, we were like, all oh, right, she's a good enough voice. And then she was the black voice. And she's the one telling your mama that like, if your daddy's broke and you're not happy, then, you know, just do what you can for yourself. Oprah broke up a lot of families for a woman who doesn't have any kids. <laughs> she had, you know, the Oprah liberal lifestyle of just like, you know, choose yourself and, and be beautiful, pamper yourself. Lifestyle broke up a lot of family for a lot of black families for for, for a woman who has zero kids. And we don't even know how good of a mother she would be if she doesn't have, she doesn't have a kid. So, you know, at least she might know something about how good of a mother she would be uh, that we don't, but she does have a lot of money. But 
we need to talk about who owns the black force and what it means that we don't have the independent we don't have the independent capital to control the black voice and if you don't have the independent capital to control black voice we don't have the independent capital to control the programs put on up for black uplift right so all of the people who want to do well by black people who you know of have been approved and are telling you approved solutions that have been approved by the whites and that's not good right because the problem might be we need to you know get some of our stuff back from the whites we need to make an intervention for some of that generational wealth that just kind of moves through white institutions to resuscitate some of our institutions seeing as how like we built the wealth we built the wealth and our institutions are actually i'm not one of those it, it, since we can't actually share information and wisdom and control curriculums and all of that stuff um like our institutions, we can't build independently our institutions because institutions in a modern America, in a modern um, world are built on knowledge and what people explicitly know and can talk about and work through. If we can't control what we can explicitly talk about and work through at a mass level, not like, you know, the 20,000 people who happen to uh, like subscribe to this channel, but I'm talking about at a mass level, at a programmatic level, we can't actually get we can't actually have a conversation that reaches into the phones and newspapers of all black people, or at least a significant uh, number of black people, and then have those people repeat the arguments without worried about, without worried about losing their job or their own livelihood. Because right now, a lot of people support me on the down low, but are scared to kind of share and repeat what I say because they don't want to lose their white check or jeopardize their white relationships. I feel like, I think that's unfortunate. A lot of people's secret boyfriend. It's all right. You can be with me out loud. I, you know, I don't know if you can. <laughs> you, I have broken up relationships. So, like, being, you might actually lose uh, the trash relationship you have if you admit that, like, what I say makes sense. But it might be worth it because you'll be free in a way. Free in a way. All right. So what are the conditions for black people to own the black voice? We need to actually be able to reach out and touch um, other black people at a mass level, not like your local neighborhood church, without the say-so or, or, or approval of, of white capital, right? So right now, all of our spaces are dominated by the fear of, of, white, of hurting white feelings. Even the black nationalist spaces are dominated by the fear of hurting white feelings because they're the ones who will tell you that like, well, you don't need the white people to do this. When actually, when they own everything in a nation of laws and property rights, we actually do need the white people. Or we just need to just take, this, take our stuff back. <laughs> we need to advocate for a political redress um, that includes economic uh, redress, which includes like also institutional power and board power and um, the mechanisms of, of, of black political and media autonomy. And that's not revolt or some democratic shill uh, organizations that have to make you know, you know, the white liberal political class happy so that they'll play Democrats, um, they'll pay black Democrats to do whatever, you know, to, to put forth a democratic agenda as is. I am a Democrat, but like I'm not a Democrat as is. I'm what the Democratic Party could be. Right? Um, so, like, I'm nominally a Democrat, 
but that's because I'm a, I'm a leftist and I think the Democratic Party could be a leftist party. Right? So it's got to get its family politics right and it's got to get its racial politics right and it's got to get labor politics right. But that is my own issue with the Democratic Party. But we don't own the black voice. The black people you hear are put on because they are the black people who won't make white capital, white liberal capital, uncomfortable. And we need to be honest about that's the situation. And if you don't own your own voice, then to what extent are you really free or free to organize uh, in the United States? I'll tell you that. And if you appreciate what I'm saying, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick down. Because at any point in time, I could get demonetized. I am, I have, I'm constantly demonetized. So I, I'm con like demonetized daily. I got strikes. I get like, so go ahead and kick in www.funkyacademic.com and I'll keep doing it. And next week, there's going to be a Monday show on some of the problematic features of Bell Hooks and then a Thursday show on Ike, Tina, and Jim Crow. Because, and I, I know that show's fire because I just did it. Ike growing up was a disaster. Tina's growing up was a disaster. And then they got together and their family life was a disaster. But that that's very little to do with Ike being a man and very little to do with Ike being, uh, with Tina being a woman and everything to do with what it is to grow up in the Jim Crow South and what they were doing. However, that's not the story we talk about, we talk about Ike and Tina, except that's the story I'm going to talk about next Thursday. I've already taped the show. It's fire. Get excited. Peace.